is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And on this episode, I've got Jason Phillips from Phillips Home Improvement in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I recently met Jason, very recently actually, just in the last few months. He's become a client and we've had a lot of conversations together and Jason and I share a lot of the same philosophies when it comes to business and um, you'll kind of see why in a few minutes when when Jason uh, tells us his story, uh, you'll see really quickly why I've asked him to be on the podcast. Jason, welcome. Thank you for, for being here. Brian, thank you. It's it's an honor and a, uh, a joy to be here today. Thank you. So um, tell everybody, give everybody the, the two-minute version of uh, Phillips Home Improvements. You know, when did you get into the business? And uh, I started the business. I started the business, Brian, in 1997 on a, a bright, sunny Saturday in uh, March of 1997, uh, knocking on doors, uh, what I like to call the good old fashioned way. And uh, ever since then, it's been uh, a whole lot of fun, a lot of work, too, but a lot of fun. So 1997. You, so you basically started knocking doors. What were the services that you were offering? Okay, we we originally started with just uh, residential painting, inside and outside painting, and then about uh, about a year and a half later, we added on gutters and roofing, and we did gutter painting, gutters and roofing for uh, for about you know 70 up up until honestly up until this year, and uh, we're just now launching uh, our window service uh, this uh, next month. Oh, awesome. And um, so what is the so what does the business look like today? Um, how many people? Um, how many how many jobs did you complete last year? We um, uh, we did last year right around 3000 projects and uh, those, you know, gutters, painting and uh, uh, roofing projects. I have uh, I currently have uh, 13 salespeople, obviously a, a, a staff in the office. Um, as well as uh, a bunch of uh, many what we call business partners out in the field, uh, most of which are small subcontract crews doing uh, doing the the painting and the roofing and the gutters. We also have a, a few employees as well. Wow, 13 salespeople. Yes, sir. How is that? It is it it's wonderful. <laughs> Got I have the the best thing the, the the best part of what I do is the people I get to work with, whether it's the you know the homeowners, which I don't typically work directly with our homeowners anymore, but our but our own team, my 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 leaders, and just everybody in every department here. That's what I, I love. When I'm driving to work, I, all I can think about is just you know the people I'm going to get to work with today. That's awesome. How do you kind of keep your salespeople in line? I mean, 13 salespeople. That's a lot of people. Well, uh, I have a um, sales manager, and uh, that's his job. <laughs> and he does a, he does a, a very uh, very good job. We're 
we have a very structured environment in our sales. Our guys, uh, except a couple that live uh, far away, come to the office every morning for uh, training, role play, and lead you know lead dis- lead disposition before they uh, hit the road on their uh, appointments for the day. How important is structure? Well, I believe that structure is very important, and you know, but having the right having the right amount of structure that that guides people. It's kind of like, you know, when you're driving down the highway, you can drive in the left lane or you can drive in the right lane, but you sure need those lines. And, you know, people need freedom of choice. And so you don't want to take that away. But the structure is what helps lead us to success. It's just like the lanes going down, you know, the stripes on the highway, those stripes help lead us to our destination. And that's how I see structure. You know, it's it's one of the things that makes companies. I mean, the only way you're really going to grow a business past a couple of million dollars in in sales is by starting to bring on, you know, two things, people and process. And without those, you can't scale a home improvement company. So let, let's go back to I want to kind of go back to, you know, maybe a couple of years into your business at what point, by the way, did you start to bring on salespeople? How, how long were you in the business for? One year. Oh, after one year. See, that's great. Yes. Um, how long before you were out of the sales, the sales role and acting just as the you know, sales manager or the owner of the company? I'm going to say about, about two and a half years. Okay. See, that's one of the things. So it's interesting. So for those of you that are listening that are still out running leads as the owner of the company, that's one of the toughest things I know for you to let go of. But if you didn't let go of that and start to build a sales team, would you have been able to grow your company? Well, Brian, for the first for the first year, solid year, I was working 18, 18 hours a day, six and a half, seven days a week. I uh, wasn't seeing my family, um, had a small child and I'm, you know, I'm missing recitals and it was very often I came home, uh, family was in bed, dinner was in the microwave with a paper towel over it. And, uh, you know, I just remember, I remember driving home uh, during the holidays and being in bumper to bumper traffic, all those red lights are shining in my eyes and, and I'm just, I want to get home to my family had to put the food on the table at the same time. And it was really tough. It was a, I'm going to be frank. It was a price to pay. And thank God my wife was supporting me the whole time. And I got, I got into spring of, of, you know, starting my second year and I just, I had to make a decision. I said, I cannot continue this pace. I either need to a scale back, slow down and earn less or B I need to build a team. And for me, the answer was, I'm going to build a team. So the first team member that I added was a salesperson. Was it perfect? (laughs) You know, you know the answer to that, Brian. Well, everybody, everybody knows the answer to that. No, it was not. But it was uh, it was good. I actually hired uh, two salespeople uh, that season. And of course, I, I didn't didn't know much about business. What I did know is how to do a quality job and how to take care of customers and make them smile. And that really, you know, the hard work and truly just caring about the, the homeowners is, uh, is what, 
what I attribute our early success to, of course, but even back before that, it's the whole reason I, I got into the got into the business or started my own business. Rather, um, I had been working for uh, another home improvement company and uh, it was going through a sale to a new owner. The new owner wasn't wasn't doing things right. And I saw homeowners mistreated by by not only my company, but uh, the company I was working for, uh, but by other companies in the industry. I saw the, the the workers that are climbing the ladders mistreated and 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 people like me. I mean, I'm, I was six weeks behind on my paycheck before I finally just had to call it quits. And uh, and I was going to go had a job lined up to work with my brother before the dot com crash. He was making a ton of money selling computers. And uh, I just really felt that I had a, a really a call to to raise the bar in my industry, in my community, uh, that people, homeowners, you know, deserved better. It's like homeowners, they, they go out and they buy, uh, they, they, they give their blood, sweat and tears to go to the closing table to get the key to their house. And that feeling when you walk up to that house and it's yours and you put the key in the door and you unlock it, and you walk in, that's just an amazing feeling. And everybody's loves their new home. But then shortly thereafter, you know, homes don't stand withstand the 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 time and the, the winds like like the great pyramids of Egypt. They wear down and they need they need some TLC. And and that's where we come in. And I, I feel that pain as a homeowner. And I just I want to I want to give their their home the love it needs and help their home smile again. And so I, and, and in order to do that, I need to care for the people that help me do that. So it's really, ultimately I'm in the people business and the service we provide to the community is we're, we're helping renew, restore and beautify their homes. But ultimately it's all about the people. Hmm. So um, that was really, that was great. Uh, and, and and again, for those of you listening, I mean, one of the reasons why I asked Jason to to join me is that attitude. He takes that attitude um, uh, with everything that he does, and um, so that's fantastic. Now, so you hired two salespeople, and it was it didn't go perfect. You know, they they uh, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. I mean, what were some of the things that you had to overcome when um, you brought those two people on and you took a step back and said, OK, I, you know, I've got to become more the owner of the company rather than, you know, working out 18 hours a day as a salesperson. So what were some of the things you had to overcome? Well, training people was was really the the biggest one but early on i was able to personally train everybody so when, when i started the company i did everything except the painting i did the small carpentry repairs i answered the phones i did the bookses i'm tr the books i'm trying to figure out how to do taxes i did the marketing i developed our crm system I did the sales. I did all of this stuff. And so the first thing I wanted to carve off was, okay, I'm going to hire a salesperson, hire another salesperson. And, and I was able to train them wonderfully with, with a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention. And I, I didn't really have a, anything but a verbal system at that point because everything was between me and them. And it wasn't until I, I really needed to, that I got to my next plateau that, uh, 
the the lack of good systems started becoming a limiting factor. Tell me more about that. So, you know, as you grow, you know, you keep growing. Okay, now I'm going to hire someone to answer the phones. Now I'm going to hire someone to do the books. You just keep slicing things off your pie and handing it to someone else. Well, what do they say? The, you know, the, the water is purest near the source or at the source, right? And so it got to the point where I wasn't training the salespeople anymore. It was someone I trained was training the salespeople. So it's kind of like making a copy of a copy, right? And and so it, we, we got to the point to where uh, there were no real good training systems. Therefore, people were doing things kind of their own way and figuring it out their own way. And, and a lot of times that was great, but more often than not, it was uh, not what it needed to be. And so I got, I got to a point where I had a ton of people. We were, we were having success, but we couldn't, we were at terminal velocity. We could not grow anymore. You know, if I could, if I could start this again, Brian, I would have spent more time streamlining, putting clear, simple processes in place that are easy to, that are easy to learn, easy to follow. And, and I would have slowed my growth down just for a bit to get that in place so that, so that we could have accelerated further, faster. But I, uh, just the system we had, I, I'm just going to say we got all we could out of it. Yeah. And, and it really is all about the system. You know, people make um, business out to be, I think, harder than it needs to be. Um, I see a lot. One of the things that I see a lot of is you know, you you enter the home improvement business from from one of two paths. Either you're you were a salesperson for another company, and like you, you thought, no, I can do this better, or you were an installer. And generally, the ones that the the people that really build the companies in this business are the ones that come from the sales side. But the ones that really take it beyond, you know, a million bucks a year, you know, a couple million bucks a year, they're the ones that say, okay, you know. I've got to let go of sales, and instead of my going out and being a full-time salesperson, I've got to put a process. I've got to have a system in place so I can I can turn sales into a system, into a process. And only when you do that can you really start to grow to grow your your company. And would you agree with all of that? One hundred percent. And, and so you had to create systems, you outgrew the system, and then what did you have to go and do at that point? Develop the new system. Right. And <laughs> Isn't that good? You know, so right now, okay, right now we're operating under what we're calling our 2.0 system, yeah. which, was, which was really only uh, formulated uh, about two and a half years ago. Yeah. It started developing before that, but, uh, the the way we were doing it before worked but it only got us so far and then when you're when you're busting at the seams with it and it just causes it causes stress everywhere around and you're going back and you're reworking things whether it's internally or externally and it's costing you money and so if 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 I could you know I wish I knew today I wish I knew five even 5 years ago what I know today especially, you know, 10 years ago, you know, 
Yeah, you and me both. Now, it's interesting what it, it so it's really interesting what you just said. Um, it, because this is how, because this is really, this is how it works. And every business has this. And what I've found from my own experience and in my work with, you know, hundreds of companies in this space that you called it a plateau. So there are these plateaus that you're going to hit. And generally the first one is at about a million, a million two, somewhere in there. The next one is between two and three. Then it's somewhere in the five range. And then it's somewhere in the 10 range, just to kind of keep it, you know, a little bit broad. And what's interesting, what you said is you took your system only so far. Well, the system that gets you to, say, $3 million in sales is not the same system that's going to take you to five, six, seven. And it's not the same system that's going to take you from 10 and beyond. And so what you're saying makes perfect sense. And as the owner of the business as the owner of the business if you're out running leads every day if you've got a full-time job as a salesperson running leads you can't do your real job which is what you're working on now which is what version 3.0 that's what that's what we're working on yes yeah that's, you know brian when when i here's one of the things one of the things that i did when I was when I was around the 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 second or the third plateau in this five five million ish, is I'm I made a I made an org chart and I put all the functions on the org chart and I put my name and all the ones I was doing I was the sales manager I was the the database uh, manager I was the CEO and I was a couple other things and at that point I was spread so thin again I was doing a poor job at everything. And so, so I just said, I need to hire this person or, or, you know, this position, this position, this position. And within probably eight months, I had all of those people uh, in place and we our, our growth accelerated very quickly up to nine to 10 million. And then we hit the next plateau. Let me ask you something. And so let me ask you something okay. about that, Jason, because this is. So, you know, I'm I'm part of my job here is to to try and anticipate what the listener is thinking when you say when when my guests say stuff. And the first thing I thought of when you said that was or the first question that came up was, how did you pay for it? How did you pay for it? How did you put all of these people that you needed to put into place? Because that takes money. Well, Brian, that was a that was a big, obviously a big uh, piece of the puzzle there, but I I hired one, and at the same time I'm growing the sales force and our production force, so um, and and honestly some of this came right out of my back pocket. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pay this person about X amount of money in the next 12 months. Do I believe that having this person in that position 12 months from now, am I going to look back and say this position? helped us earn more money or less money. And when I, when I was able to look 12 months down the road and answer that question with a, Oh my gosh, there's just no way this person isn't going to help us make more money. I would say, let's pull the trigger. So that's a great answer. And he just gave you a, a, a you know, a, a, a pretty awesome answer to that. And the reality of it too is Jason, is this, or is this not true? I, I used to know somebody that said this and I, you know, when you think about hiring somebody, let's say it's a 
whatever, $50,000 a year employee. Well, you start to think of that as, well, I got to spend $50,000 to bring this person in. The reality of it is, no, you don't. You got to spend four. Because if they don't perform after a month, maybe you have to spend eight, maybe you give them 60 days. But it's an $8,000 risk. It's not a $50,000 risk because if the person doesn't work out, you can always either replace them with somebody else or say, you know what? I made a mistake. I didn't need this person. They didn't give me the results that I thought I would get. So you cut them. And it's an $8,000. Okay, Brian. Not a $50,000. I totally, I totally agree with that. But there's a difficulty is that when you're when you're a smaller company, you're you're so busy in the day-to-day -day grind, it when you have that person and you may not feel comfortable getting rid of them because you don't have someone else lined up. Yeah. And so you're kind of held captive by an underform underperforming employee because your circle at least this happened to me before, and I, and I think it happens to others. I've talked to others that it happens to. Oh, me too. But your circle, your circle of of, uh, of of people that you know and your stream of candidates maybe isn't really established, and you end up you end up keeping people for a much longer period of time that really aren't either a good fit for your organization or a good fit for the position you have them in. Well, and that's where you have to get as the owner of the business, you know, it's about people, it's about process. And, and to me, it's about profitability. So you've got to what you've got to be good at as a business owner in this business. And I think really in any business is you've got to be good with people and you've got to be good with process. And that's both of the things you've been talking about. You know, in order for you to grow your business, go from one plateau to the next to the next is you've had to bring in the right people, but those right people can't perform if they don't have a process to perform in, right? To do their- Absolutely, in. absolutely. And so you've got absolutely. that process and then you bring the people in. And um, and I agree with you. I mean, that's the mistake a lot of us make. I mean, I've, I've made that mistake, I don't know how many times. And that's one of those things that if I could go back 15 years, 10, you know, 20 years, I, that would be the one thing that I wish I was much better at because I hate confrontation. So I, it was really hard for me to, you know, break up with anybody, whether it was a girlfriend or an employee. And so I kept people on a lot longer than I should have. Today, we won't, we don't stand for it. You know, if they don't fit within our culture, if they don't fit within our processes and systems, and they don't treat our, our clients the way that they're, supposed to be treated they're gone and they're gone really quick yes yeah so, <laughs> i i bet a lot of the listeners have felt the same pain oh yeah so um so one of the things i've got to bring up with you and 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 it goes along with with exactly what we're talking about here is <clears throat> so you know when building your company and you're you know as you said i like the way you put it you're hitting those plateaus so one of the things that you've got to do is what what you did. You've got to have uh, you've got to build the processes, and then you've got you've got to put the people in to build those processes or to 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 do the work within those processes. The other thing that you got to do is you got to work on yourself. You've got to grow yourself as a person, and this is where you know you and me bonded within five minutes of when we met 
because you, like me, you love books and you're a big learner. And so can we talk a little bit about, and you've just got an amazing attitude. I mean, if anybody, if you see Jason at an event, go up and talk to him. When you shake his hand, when you talk to him, he's going to smile at you and you're just going to feel his, like his positive energy. And so I don't know if that's something you always had, or if that's something that you've developed more over time, but can you talk a little bit about what are some of the internal things that you had to to, to learn to go from one level of your business to the next, from one level of income to another. Okay, so Brian, um, the for let's just say round terms, 15 years, um, my wife and I, we actually volunteered, served at our church, uh, running the children's ministry. And so I wasn't focusing on improving myself and business. I was giving effort towards growing my business, but I just really felt that a season in my life was changing and that I needed to focus on on the business and, and building the business and touching more people in the community and creating an environment for more teammates to come and uh, have opportunities to learn and grow and learn leadership and you know raise their families, provide good income for their families. And so I, I came to the realization that the the lid on my company is always me. The ceiling is me. And uh, at that point, when I had that, that really just that revelation, it just sunk into my heart. And I became, I became a fierce learner at that point, devouring everything. And, and I was, I was a guy, uh, I did really well when I was in high school, uh, graduated in the top 10% of my class with honors from the largest uh, school in Texas, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people are surprised to hear that I never read a book from cover to cover the whole time I was in school. I did the Cliff's Notes, and I was a I was a good test taker, and uh, so I was just never uh, never a fast reader. My mind would constantly wander. And when I decided to working on me to work on me, the first thing I did is I'm I'm just gonna be frank, Brian. I just I said a prayer. I said, God, I need to become a better reader. Will you give me an upgrade in my equipment, in my skills? And and so I started uh, started reading and uh, my, my girls, uh, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Brian. My girls uh, uh, are in competitive cheerleading. And so we would go, they were on three different teams. So we would be at these large venues for eight hours at a time with cheer music blaring in your ears and all to watch your team two and a half minutes, you know, so I would sit there in the in the stadium next to my wife and I would put on my Bose Quiet Comfort headphones and I would play the book with Audible while I followed along on Kindle all on my iPad. And reading it and listening to it gave me uh, a concentration and a retention like I had never had. And it, it I would go through, you know, a book a weekend when we were out at cheer competitions and I started I just started learning and the more you learn you know, the more you, you want to learn and you're not just trying to gather knowledge, you're trying to uh, you're, you're trying to to learn something so you can improve, so you can act. You know, uh, I, I began focusing all my reading on things, you know, in, in, in one of, you know, several categories, whether it's whether it's personal improvement or whether it's uh, relationships with my family, with others or communication uh, or business or money. And I just all, or my faith, those are the things I read books about. And I don't just read them. I mean, I hit pause. Uh, I, I make myself tasks. Uh, I have my leadership team read books with me. 
and I don't uh, sometimes I read a chapter and I say I have to stop here and I cannot read any more of this book until I go make some changes in myself or in my company or or whatever it is. And and, uh, so but but all to say is that that through focusing uh, with with you know, listening to the audible, there's a lot of people, I'm surprised how many people out there, they're like, ah, I just don't read books, you know? And I'm like, wow, that's how I felt. I used to feel exactly how you feel now. And, uh, but for me, you know, reading and listening at the same time has just been a, a game changer for me. My kids do cheer also. And I've been to those events. And when you first told me that, that you would sit in the back and put your headphones on and do that. That was shocking to me because those places are crazy. There's madness going on all around you, all the noise and all the people. And and uh, so that's that's what I call commitment right there. That's a commitment to learning, to getting better, because for anybody listening, if you've been to any of those events, it's not easy to pay attention to anything in there. Um, let alone to to be reading a book and learning from a book. So this has been awesome. You and I could keep talking for hours, but what I want to close out with is as a business owner, what would you say, what are the top three books that have impacted you in your business? Wow, Brian, that's a hard question. I, and I would have to say it depends on the, the timing of when it was and where I was, you know. Um, but ones that have impacted me is pretty much anything by John C. Maxwell regarding leadership. Um, other other books that have influenced or that, that have impacted me in recent in the last few years have been uh, Pat Lencioni's book, The Advantage. Um his uh, about building trust on your leadership team and within your company. Uh, he has another book called the ideal team player. And like, what is What does an ideal team player look like? And it helps define and bring clarity to people that you want on your team. Um, when it comes to structure and systems and processes, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of traction, the EOS entrepreneurial operating system, along with all of the companion books that go with it, how to be a great boss. What the heck is EOS rocket fuel? Those are just amazing. I've read it, all of those books. I've read two to three times each. Yeah, and, gotcha. uh, because I really want to master the master, the material. Um, there's another, another book, uh, which is called, uh, by, by, uh, Robert Cialdini called influence. Um, it's, it's been out for what, 30 years now, but that is a, an amazing book. Uh, when it comes to, you know, just dreaming and seeing where, you know, looking, looking at your life, maybe from a bird's eye view, there's a book called chase the lion, uh, which just was very in, inspiring to me. And of course the good old staple is uh, Michael Gerber's the E-Myth revisited. And that is, uh, you know, to speaking about, speaking about systems process, that is a great place to start. I read that book uh, a couple years ago, and I wish I would have read it way back in the day. That was uh, that's an amazing book. And when I read that one, it was kind of like uh, like oh man, this is a confirmation of what I'm already doing. But if I would have read that book several you know years before, it would have been transformational in my company. Yeah, I was lucky. I was introduced to the E Myth in like 1990. For 1995, a couple of years into my business, every entrepreneur needs to read the EMF. 
Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And 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 also, um, you know, that's something you and I both both uh, believe in. Also, is EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. We both have it implemented in our companies, and the book is uh, Traction from Gino Wickman. So awesome. Well, Jason, this has been awesome. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I wish you nothing but uh, continued continued success and growth. All of you listening, this is Brian Kaskavalsian, G4 Marketing Group, and until next time. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor, I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the wealthy contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.